Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, We're in the final part of a three-week series on emotions, and we're discussing how God works through the things that we, we feel, but also independent of the way that we feel. We're focusing on God's mission through Joshua and also a little bit earlier than that, the children who are wandering through the the wilderness and looking for the promised land. And I want to discuss today an emotional state that would actually be, as far as I'm concerned, a form of slavery. And that is the overwhelming burden of fear and worrier. So I asked this about anger. I didn't want to do it with guilt because guilt's kind of funny. But do we have any worriers in here? Do we have any people? Gosh, we have more worriers than anything. So some of you are here today, you're like, I'm here just specifically because I want to talk about fear and I want to talk about worry. One of the most frustrating things to me in the last few years, if you are a worrier, if you are a person that struggles with this, this is the attitude that you have toward it. I'm a worrier. That's just who I am. You know, a lot of people say that, and maybe you're, you, you say that yourself, maybe your spouse says it, maybe you have a friend or a child or a parent that says that, well, I'm just a worrier, or other people refer to, to this man or this woman, uh, she is a worrier, he is a worrier, and what I want to convince you of this morning is that is a, from a faith-based perspective, that is a very false sense of identity, and you need to be very, very careful about getting trapped into that label, because I believe that there's not only a way out of that, but that the expectation is that we do walk out of that. So that makes some of you get nervous right now. You're thinking, he's trying to tell me not to worry? I'm worried about not worrying. That's what people do. If you don't have something to worry about, something is wrong with you or for you. So I'm going to tell you today that you can get to a place where you don't worry. Now, we all worry. Worry's a normal part of life, but I'm talking about people, every single little thing in their life is a fear obstacle or is something that they worry about. It is expected that that is something that we are able to overcome. So these individuals, and we all know them, and we've obviously got a lot of them that are in the room right now, you worry about money, you worry about the kids, you worry about death, you worry about illness, you've got a bump in your arm and all of a sudden you're on WebMD and you've diagnosed yourself with everything that you can possibly imagine. And for the next three months, you have no peace whatsoever until you eventually get into the doctor. We have some of those people in here. People worry about car wrecks. We mentioned their kids. The second their kids leave the home, they're just in, in fear that they can't control. Some of it's global stuff like wars uh, school shootings. We're just scared of everything. And we're worried about everything in our world today. So there's not only a way out of worry and a way out of fear. It's expected that we take this path. 
out of worry and out of fear. So for some of us, it's instant, not very often, but for some people, there's such this, this touch by the Holy Spirit that they're able to move into this area of their lives in which they don't worry anymore. In a set, again, we're not talking about normal worry. Everybody worries sometimes. It's just normal. It's part of being human. We're talking about just constant, every time you wake up, whenever you go to bed, everything is a problem that you should worry about. But for other people, it's a process. And I think that's more normal of this, this Holy Spirit liberation that you're walked through on a regular basis. I think that's the way that most people experience their journey out of worry, the same way that they experience their way out of guilt or the same way that they experience their journey out of anger, some of the other things that we've talked about. So how can we view this through this portion of Israel's history that we are studying today? I want to ask you to turn to Joshua chapter 3. If you have your Bible, Joshua chapter 3, you can use your phone. If you want to look up here on the screen, that's perfectly fine as well. So the children of Israel have spent 40 years in the wilderness, and now they're about to enter the promised land. This is that, that climactic moment, that climactic moment in which they are about to experience the glory and the goodness of God. Everything that they've been talking about for 40 years, it's about to happen. The Jordan River, and we all have a Jordan River in our lives, was the barrier keeping them out. So they have to cross the Jordan in order to get there. As a metaphor, in your lives today, whatever it may be, and maybe it is fear and worry, you have to cross the Jordan in order to get to where God wants you to be. So Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be. We're just going to look at the first five verses here. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Joshua took down the camp early in the morning. He and all the Israelites marched out of Shittim and came to the Jordan where they stayed overnight before crossing. And I imagine there's a lot of anxiety in that moment because he's keeping them there overnight. What is going to happen whenever we go into this new territory? At the end of three days, the officers went through the middle of camp. They commanded the people, as soon as you can see the Lord your God's chest containing the covenant, this is the Ark of the Covenant, and the Levitical priests carrying it, if you are to march out from your places and follow it. This is very specific instructions. But let there be some distance between you and it, about 3,000 feet, or I think what's about 1,000 yards, kind of close to half a mile. Don't come near it. You'll know the way you should go. Even though, think about the worry for some of you, you've never traveled this way before. Joshua said to the people, make yourselves holy. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonderful things among you. So what we want to do is we want to take this passage and walk through why we worry, how worry impacts our walk with Christ, and how there is certainly a way to overcome worry. You guys ready for that? Yes. Yeah. Bring it. Some, oh, I'm going to bring it. That's what I'm going to do. All right. So worry first makes it impossible to trust in the promises of God. It makes it impossible. So a lot of you find a tremendous amount of pride in following Jesus and trusting God, but worry actually 
makes it impossible to do this. This has kind of been a theme that we followed through this series. There is something serious that is going on in our worry as we worry. And I'll say again, I'm not talking to people who worry about everyday things. You know, if your kid is in trouble at school, you should worry. If you're struggling financially sometimes, I think that's a good reason to worry. <clears throat> Excuse me. If your marriage is on the rocks and you feel like things could be going through some hard times, that may be a reason to worry. But what we're talking about is habitual worry that keeps you from the path that God is trying to send you on. Again, some of you worry because you're told not to worry. You're like, that preacher's not going to tell me not to worry. If I want to worry, I've worried my entire life. My mom taught me how to worry. She was a worrier. I went through this whenever I was 20 years old, and he doesn't understand that. So just as a safety net to make sure nothing else bad happens, I'm going to worry in advance so that when I get to that worry spot, I'm completely comfortable in my worry. That's how some people justify some of these things. So back to Joshua crossing over. This is what verse 2 and 3 say. At the end of three days, the officers went through the middle of the camp. They commanded the people. As soon as you see the Lord your God's chest containing the covenant and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are then to march out from your places and follow it. The Israelites at this point are entering complete uncertainty. And nothing makes us more nervous. If it's a medical exam, if it's a, if it's a, a wave of depression, if it's that you've heard that one of your kids have been in an accident, this, this paves this complete path of uncertainty in our lives that we're not used to. So the question I have is, is this. How comfortable are you with taking your hands completely off of your life and allowing God to have full reign? Now, a lot of the times whenever I talk to people, and I mention this on, on social media, but the biggest problem that worriers have, and we're not exactly talking about anxiety. Anxiety is a whole nother animal, all right? There's a little bit of difference between worry and what anxiety actually physically and mentally does to your body. So we're specifically talking about worry right now, but a lot of people are what I call what if people, and this is the way that works. What if it's cancer? What if she leaves me or he leaves me? What if I die? Well, you are going to die one day. What if I lose my job? What if we get in a situation in which we can't pay our, our bills? What if the car breaks down? What if we go on vacation and nobody has any fun? What if, what if, what if? And people live their lives, listen to me, because this is some of you, absolutely paralyzed by these things that you don't even know if they're ever going to happen. Their entire lives, it just becomes this thing. And it's never, it's never the other way. What if God does create a breakthrough? What if God is telling the truth? What if I am going to be delivered? What if I actually can trust Scripture and what God says about my life? What if I do turn everything over to God? I do see these miracles that are talked about. Do you recognize how it never goes that way? It's always, what if this bad thing happens to me? 
And this is how we live our lives. I think it's some form of a form of protection, but I don't exactly know. I'm speaking a little in the dark because this isn't something that I necessarily experience the way some people may. But if you don't make the conscious choice to allow God to guide you across the Jordan, if that's not a decision that you can make, you will never see the promised land. The promised land is a euphemism for what God has for your life specifically and directly. And some of you say, well, what if I missed it? What if it was supposed to happen in my 20s and I was doing this? What if, what if God wants to do something today? What if you could walk out of this place completely different? Again, it's a process, not completely healed, but you walk out of this place today. What if I could have a different mindset? What if God is telling the truth? So why is Joshua crossing the Jordan to begin with? Why is he doing this? Why is he taking all of these people on this scary journey? It's this simple. He believes God tells the truth. That's it. And you know, we talk about how much faith we have. We talk about how much we trust God. Is, could someone please grab me a cup of water? I've been sick all week, as I know have, have many of you. But what if there is something more for your life? What if that is something that is real? When the Israelites made the decision to trust Josh, Joshua, they knew this required them to leave everything else in their life behind. Worry, and you're not going to like this, is a sign of distrust. It's a sign of, believe, of, of not believing that God can come through in these difficult moments. I will take it as far as to say, when it overtakes our lives in every possible way, that worry is actually a sin. So over the years, I've watched people try to control everything in their kids' lives. And we've had some real tragedy. Thank you. We've had some real tragedy in our church. And we've had some difficult things happen. But a question that consumes, or a, 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 well, a question that consumes so many of us is what if something happens to one of my kids? And we go through all these protective measures and modes to try to protect them from everything. I've watched people take every safety precaution you can possibly imagine in their lives. What if this happens? What if that happens? I've watched people obsess over their money. And, and if I had to pick one area, just to be transparent, that I struggle with these what ifs or I struggle with worry because I'm not a big worrier. Now, I do struggle with anxiety. But as far as worry, you know, and Beth gets tired of hearing about it. You know, what if, what if we don't have enough money? What if this happens? What if that happens? And I feel this level of responsibility of being the primary breadwinner in our home. What, what, if, what if I'm not able to provide? What if this happens? And that is something that I struggle with sometimes. And it can at times be consuming. But notice this, overcoming worry, which we said you can do. Overcoming worry always requires the opposite of worry. And this is faithfulness. And you see, we have churches full of people on a regular basis and people who call themselves Christians on a regular basis who have never really stepped out into this level of faithfulness in their lives because they like the security 
that is around them. So let's see what verse four says. It says, let there be some distance between you and it. Again, talking about the Ark of the Covenant. It's this, uh, it's this sacred thing out of reverence, out of respect. Let's make sure that we keep our distance. It represents the presence of God. Don't come near it. You'll know the way you should go, even though you've never traveled this way before. You've never been. That gives me worry to think about God sending me on a journey to a place that I have never been before. God is saying something very specific. You are not going to have all the answers. And I know that some of you are control freaks like myself. I know some of you, you want a predictable life and you want to be able to figure everything out. But I do not know what is going to happen to me, my wife, my children, extended family, this church tomorrow. I don't know. There are a lot of things that you're going to ask me or that you're going to ask other people in here. And we can't predict because we don't know. So as followers of Jesus, it is our task to step out in trust. It is our task to step out in faithfulness. And when we do this, is there still a little bit of fear? Is there still a little bit of struggle sometimes? Yes, yeah, sometimes it's still there. But we're making the decision to walk forward. Most of the time, and this is really hard for us, but this is a lifestyle. Most of us are required to walk about a half mile behind without a clue of what God is doing. You know, I feel like I'm walking back there, and the only thing I can see way up there is the back of Joshua's head. Or the only thing that I can see is this ark that I'm not supposed to be anywhere near, and I'm back here thinking, God, what in the world are you doing? I've used this example, I think it was earlier this year, maybe last year, of coal mining but from when I lived in Kentucky. And I'll use the example again if you've forgotten or if you weren't here. I asked a coal miner one time, you know, with no experience myself in coal mines, I said, you know, whenever you put on that headlamp, how far ahead of you can you see in the dark and in, in this mine? He said, about 10 to 15 feet. So that's about how far ahead he works. And I said, beyond that? And he's like, pitch black. So if the light goes out and I'm deep in the mine, and my buddies aren't with me working, I'm in a lot of trouble. And this is like the spiritual life. And this is how you walk out of fear and worry. It's like at any given time, I am telling you, because I know that as a, as a leadership team, we're planning for the future. And I know that I believe or think there are things that God wants to do. But I promise you, at any given time, I've only got about 10 to 15 feet. And the most common thing that I say to my wife when she sees me anxious about things that are going on with church is not, God is good. Life is wonderful. I say to her, I don't know what's going to happen. Probably two or three times a week about a particular issue, about a particular thing, about a particular incident. I don't know what's going to happen. But you take that 10 or 15 feet, and then you get more light. Because God understands that if he gives us the whole mine, or if he allows us to see all the way across the Jordan and we have it all there, 
man, we're going to screw it up. <laughs> we're going to make a mess of it. And we're going to say, oh, well, I didn't know this was around the corner. We're going to get arrogant, and we're going to grab this thing, and we're going to grab that thing, and we're going to think life is just wonderful. We didn't need to trust in God. And what's amazing about this, from the perspective of fear and worry, is that whenever you take this 10 to 15 feet, you're not only getting light, you're getting miracles. Like you're getting these things that you were waiting on. You're getting these things that you didn't even know existed or that you didn't know you wanted. And instead, what we do with our lives, what if I can't trust God? What if that person hurts me? What if it ends up this way? What if that church is just too different than where I stand on this, these particular issues? What if I do get sick? What if I've only got this much life left? I used to tell myself when I was in my 20s struggling a lot, what if I end up in a mental hospital? Like what if I'm there and I just feel this level of just like for a long period of time? Like I, I was afraid of that for such a long period of time in my life. What if I'm so crippled by depression or anxiety as I get older, I can't work a job or I can't keep a job. And I was literally controlled by these things for so long in my life. These what ifs. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? You're calling in your life. Every single person that is in here is the promised land. The abundant life, the good life, the life beyond is the promised land. But if we settle for worry, and if we settle for fear, we will never know God's best for our lives. And this is the best part. We can't know the miracles of God. We can't truly know the goodness on every level until we learn to release worry. And again, I understand it's not necessarily this overnight thing that you're able to do. But if you make the decision every single day of your life, when you know that you have one of two directions to go, to take the direction that you have to go. The verse 5 says this, Joshua said to the people, make yourselves holy. Tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonderful things among you. Wonderful things among you. So this is what I want some of you to consider as you look at fear. Maybe you need to take a picture of this slide. Maybe you need to try to write down as much as you can. Maybe you just need to look at it later. I know that ending worry may not happen overnight. And it's very likely that it's going to. I know that ending worry may not happen overnight. But I believe that God is faithful and I can be released. I'm going to step into that faith. I know that I'm still going to worry about the kids. I know that there are times that the depression is going to be strong. I know that I'm going to wonder if financially this particular situation is going to go through. I know that I'm worried about my, my sister or my brother that's an addict or whatever it looks like. But I believe that God is faithful and I can be released. I'm going to begin that process today. And one day, six weeks from now, 10 years from now, I am going to share this victory with others. Because I can promise you, 
there are others that are going to need to hear it. If you identify yourself as a chronic worrier, you will always be, and I don't think you walk around like with a name tag, hey, I'm John, I'm a chronic worrier, or anything like that. But if there's this prism within you that you believe you're never going to overcome, that is exactly where you are going to stay for the rest of your life. If you identify yourself instead as a child of God, as the beloved of Abba, as one who is gently taken care of every single day, you will be able to release the chronic worry that you experience. But some of us, we're just waiting to prove God wrong. It's like we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know people like that? Told you your God wasn't real. Told you your God was bad. I told you your, your, your faith was this and you're that. It's like you're just waiting for something like that to happen and you're missing so much beauty that is part of this experience. So check out God's faithfulness. I want you to picture this in your mind, especially those of you that are visual learners with a good imagination. I want you to think about this with God's faithfulness. The anxiety is really high. The stage is set for anything to happen. Will they cross the Jordan? Will it happen? If we were to go forward in Josh 4, 14, the Lord made Joshua great in the opinion of all Israel on that day. So they revered him in the same way they had revered Moses during all of his life. This is Joshua's identity. Not broken boy. Part of generational slavery in Egypt. But conqueror. God's chosen. He refused to let worry determine his destiny. So what do you do if your life is consumed with worry? If your life is consumed with fear? If your life is consumed with anxiety? I've always got a go-to passage in Psalms because I love, I breathe the Psalms. Love the Psalms. And this is going to help some of you today. All right, this is Psalm 55, 22. Give your worries to the Lord. And this is one of those promises I'm talking about. He will take care of you. You may be that, uh, that teenager in here that's struggling today. And I promise you, he will take care of you. You may be concerned. You may feel lonely. You may be worried if you are in a relationship or a marriage that it's almost over. You may feel so much unpredictability, unpredictability about the future. He will take care of you. He will never let good people down. Now, here's the beauty of the Hebrew language. You think, oh, well, he'll take care of me. That's wonderful. That sounds nice on a bumper sticker. Listen to this in Hebrew, the word nul, N-U-L. He will take care of you. You know what that means? Or some of your translations say, he will sustain you. You're going to love this. It means that as you worry, 
And as you struggle to turn it over, he's in next month making preparations for where he's taking you. He's in the very next morning saying, Tammy, it's going to be okay. I know this is really hard, but if you will trust me, I am a product of this. If you will trust me, your heart rate's going to slow down. You don't need to go to the emergency room because church people are about to kill you. You're going to be okay. If you're faithful and if you humbly repent and if you trust me, Matt, I'm going to take care of your marriage. I'm going to take care of you because what you see is around you. But the ark's way up there. It's way up there. Everything's going to be fine. As you're worrying about crossing, half the people already have. You have to learn to trust me. There's no other way. Therapy, very helpful. Medication for the right people, very helpful. A lifesaver. But this is the special stuff. And I'm going to tell you something. I have walked through this before. And then I see what God does. It's like magic. It's the most amazing thing in the world. But so many people are stuck. What if this happens? What if that happens? My life's going to turn out this way. All of this. Trust. So what do I encourage you to do today? Number one, take a picture of this. Meditate on this passage. This is a good one to keep up, keep with you. This is a good one when you're like, in your covers and you feel like you can't get up because it's so overwhelming. This is one of those, you know, before the test or before the thing at work or before all these things, I already know what's going to happen. Meditate on this passage. Take it in. As Eugene Peterson would say, eat this book. Let it get inside of you. Meditate on this passage. Number two, let God do the healing in his timing. I don't think I'm going to get a text today. Or an email today that says, I'm completely restored and better. But I do believe over the coming weeks and over the coming months, there are going to be people that tell me, I still can't see my future. I still can't see my tomorrow. I still don't know exactly what's going to happen, but God does, and I'm trusting that with everything in me. But also, lastly, don't live under a false identity. You can make that decision today. That's one you can make today. You see, you may struggle with certain issues that, that I don't even understand. And I may not even be the best person to, to help you or to give you advice on those things. But just shed off those, those grave clothes. Shed off the past. Because you can have a brand new, fresh start. I say it all the time in another psalm. His mercies are new every morning. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. I know that there are some of you in here today that struggle greatly with fear and worry. And the, the, the trouble just feels absolutely overwhelming. I want to invite you this morning to just come to this altar and turn it over.
to give every single bit of it to him, knowing that whenever you get up, you're still going to have problems. You're still going to have struggles. Some of the same issues that you walked in here with, you are going to walk out of here with. But you've at least made the decision to start that process. Please understand, this is so much deeper than glasses half empty or glasses half full. This is so much deeper than optimism versus pessimism. This is so much deeper than self-help psychology. This is living water of a living God that wants to completely change you from the inside out. The question is, will you let him? Will you give him that invitation in? Father, we come to you this morning grateful. We come to you this morning also damaged and hurting and with our own personal issues going on. But Father, I thank you for a body of believers that agrees, that agrees with myself and, and everybody else in here that when you come in here, it's okay to not be okay. But Father, that the redemptive power of Jesus still works today. Open up our hearts. Open up our spirits. Father, years of fear, years of worry. God, manifest your goodness in this place today. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.